cow, folks. You know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it's time for another edition of the Rec Poker Podcast. So first, I got to say Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to 2023. Can you believe how 2022 ended? Oh, my God. When you think about all the amazing things that happened in that last week of 2022 over the holidays, I can't even get into the details. I am just whoa, I'm just like blown away. What an amazing way to end the year. And also my condolences for all the people that were affected. Um, so thanks all for, in case you haven't guessed, we were pre-record some of these. So um, I'm speaking from uh, the past, uh, but I'm very glad that I'm welcoming you into the new year here at Rec Poker. We've got a ton of exciting things coming up. Um, there's going to be WSOP is going to be around the corner in no time. We've got Marek Madness going to be here in March. We're already putting together uh, some of the themes of the month coming up down the road. We've got a new Wrecking Crew member to welcome. It's just an exciting time to be around. I hope everyone's done a great job uh, sticking with their New Year's uh, resolutions. If you're hearing this on the day that it came out, it's only Tuesday, January 3rd, so I like your odds so far. But stick with it. Remember, Rome wasn't built in a day. And um, thank you for joining us here on the Rec Poker Podcast, starting your year off on the right foot. So here we are. Um, I'm joined by the Wrecking Crew, just like I have to start every episode. I'm just so grateful that we've got this fantastic community of free community members that all it takes for you to join us here is an email address and a smile, although both are compulsory. Head on over to rec.poker and get a free account today. Join us in the forums, Discord, in the home games, come on the podcast. Uh, it's just a million ways to study poker, to learn poker, to celebrate your poker wins, to commiserate your poker losses, and do it with other folks like us uh, who just love the game and, and love spreading our love of the game. Um, so to do it, I have to thank our amazing sponsor, the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino. I have to thank our premium members who are chipping in that 15 bucks a month to keep us going here. I have to thank the Wrecking Crew because it takes a whole crew to do what we do here at Rec Poker. You might recognize my voice because they give me the mic on Mondays, but I'm just one member of the Wrecking Crew. My name's Jim Reed. I'm Bluffsterini in the home game at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter, if Twitter even exists in this dystopian hellscape that we're finding ourselves in in 2023. If you want to find out more about me and the rest of the Wrecking Crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, but you can also just listen up because you're going to meet a few of them right here tonight. My name is Ben Enslow. I'm BJM and 96 on Twitch. You can find all my other socials there, and I'm East Coast Bitter in the home game. Well, I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5B5 on Twitter. And if Twitter goes away, I just got I just got invited to my first post account. Has anyone heard about posts? That might be the next things maybe replacing Twitter. You can find me 5x5. Five five. I got 5x5, five five, the official, like no messing around. It's 5x5 five five on post. Uh, and I am five by five in the Poker Stars home game. Nice. And I am John Somsky. I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I will be willing to take a bet that Mastodon is more likely to take over than Post. <laughs> I'm five by five there too. <laughs> Again, covering all your bases. <laughs> well, I'm I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman Fifty, just about everywhere, including Twitter and Mastodon. So there you go. Oh, now I'm feeling like I better jump on this post Mastodon business because the future of Twitter, I, like, who knows? Who knows? By the time people are listening to this, it might not even exist. Um, 
So thanks, uh, Wrecking Crew members. Uh, it takes a village, like I say. I'm so proud to be on the Wrecking Crew uh, with such wonderful folks like Rob, uh, Ben, Chris, and John here, uh, as well as some real killers like uh, Gareth James, uh, Dario Kearney, um, Kevin Mathers, uh, Kim Kilroy, Eric Jin, Keith uh, Monkey System Brandt, um, Troy Chapman. We've, we've got all sorts of amazing members that uh, have come at taking that next step to help us spread our love of poker, whether it's through coaching, uh, building the game. Um, uh, there's just a million ways to get involved and, and to take your game to the next level and to take your love of poker to the next level here at Rec Poker. Um, so I'm so glad to do that. If you were listening last week, uh, you heard a post um, from John Crowell, who's a uh, premium member here at Rec Poker. He's back this week to talk. Uh, we're going to be looking at a hand that uh, Ben Enslow, East Coast bidder himself, uh, posted in the Rec Poker forums. And so let me see. I think I've thanked the sponsors. I've mentioned uh, the the premium membership. I've told people to come and join for free. Let's get into the hand. So Ben Enslow, uh, we're going to be looking at a hand posted by the one and only Jamin96 in the Rec Poker forums here about facing a river overbet on ACR. Overbets are one of those things that we are less comfortable with. They're kind of outside the normal mainstream of poker sizing. And it can put us in some kind of difficult positions or some positions where we don't have as much experience as with some of those more typical sizes between like one third and two thirds pot. Um, so take us through this uh, this forum post that you posted facing a riverbed on uh, ACR. Yeah, thanks for the thanks for the intro, Jim. Appreciate the the welcome and uh, everything. And uh, yeah, this is a a post I just put up here. I think it was yesterday, um, but. Uh, played this uh on the uh this tournament on the weekend it was on acr i actually haven't uh really played much volume on acr there's l tons of good tournaments going on over there and here in clayton and you know some other people talk about you know acr and stuff i decided i'd jump in i think i only loaded on like 25 bucks or something like that just to play in some smaller stuff um but this was one of the bigger ones that i played and this was a 660 um buy-in pko i can't remember i think it was like a three or a 4k guarantee i'm not sure um, somewhere's in there. It may, might've been a 5k guarantee because usually they're, they have like pretty decent guarantees on their tournaments. So, um, we ran well, uh, we have 347 K in chips nice. and that's off of a 125 K starting stack. All right. Um, we scooped a bounty. I think we got lucky and scooped a bounty, um, yeah. at some point. So we do have, we, we do have a bounty and it's a PKO. So I think half the bounty prize gets added to our head i believe or our yeah so our bounty increases uh for the person that takes us out and then we get to put half of that bounty in our bankroll and just take it right off the table yeah right so these are the style of tournaments that i usually play i play quite a few pkos are kind of my go-to i i like the fact to be able to you know win my buy-in back potentially before i even get to the money is a really a really nice uh kind of feature of these tournaments yeah, and these uh, tend to, these are kind of like the anti-satellite format. Satellites are all about ICM, conserving your stack, not making, you know, big moves and playing small ball. Uh, with bounty tournaments, you're kind of incentivized to get your chips in a little more often. So aggressive players like you and me, Ben, I think this is kind of our bread and butter. So it doesn't surprise me one bit that you've been playing a bunch of these and succeeding. Well, yeah, especially with Chris, you know, teach me about, you know, big bet sizes and stuff like that and getting me out of my comfort zone there, right? So <laughs> There you go. Well, so actually, the, oh, no, go sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to ask both of you since I think you both play more PKOs than I do. I'm I'm not that I don't I play them sometimes just for fun, but I'm not super well studied on them. And I know we're going to be you. You mentioned the beginning of the show, Jim, talking about how overbets are kind of an un you know they're thing we don't encounter all that much. Do you think you encounter them more in PKOs? I think you should. If I mean, if people in PKOs, a big emphasis is placed on who's covering who. And so it's a position, it's a spot where you're applying pressure is different than a typical ICM tournament. Because if you're the short stack, other people are incentivized to call your shoves in a way that they're not in a typical tournament. And when you're the big stack, you don't even have to worry about that, but you can actually benefit from people with smaller stacks getting involved with you. And so it it doesn't, it it, it creates wider ranges that want to get action. And um, because taking the very bottom chip from someone's stack is more important here, the worst thing you can do is get into a spot where you take like 90% of someone's chips, but you don't get their bounty. Right. So you tend to size up a little bit so that you're always being able to put that bottom chip in play. Um, and I, I do think that creates not only more action, uh, more aggressive lines, but also uh, bigger bets and more over bets. Right. So we should just, the one thing to keep in mind as we're listening to this is we should just, this is a situation that probably if we play this type of tournament will come up more often. Yeah. yeah great point. Yeah, so we're at the, I guess we'll just talk about the hand. I was going to, I kind of lost my train of thought when I was listening to Chris. But <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen. Happens, all to, right. happens to all of us. All I always time. have these thoughts and then, ooh, there they go. <laughs> Off yeah, with the well, <laughs> now, now, Ben, you're also used to streaming, which mm-hmm. is a very different experience than this sort of uh, uh, podcast by committee thing, right? So, yeah. um, uh, and if you want to check him out, I mean, of course, I, I encourage everyone, head over to twitch.tv slash B E J A M I N 96 and uh, catch, catch all of Ben's action over there. Um, Cause then it's just unfiltered stream yeah. of consciousness. Ben letting us know what's in his head at every decision <laughs> point. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun there too, but yeah, here you get Chris Jones and Rob Washam and John Somsky uh, chipping in. And all you got to do is just soak up the knowledge, just sit back and soak all that wisdom up. It can be disarming from time to time. I completely agree. So yeah, so 2K, 4K, we got 86.9 bigs. Um, we get an open from the hijack, a min raise. And our villain stack covers us. He has 111 big blinds. So he has quite a few chips, uh, which is 446K. Um, we have only played 19 hands, 16% VPIP, uh, no raises or three bets. And it folds to us and we have ace, ace of diamonds, nine of clubs. So what do you guys think right off the bat? Should we be calling? Should we be three betting? And we're in the big blind. And we are in the big blind, yeah. So we already have think, one one chip in. I think GTO says this is a call. Now there unless you have a specific right, unless you have a specific read on the player that he's going to be folding a lot to a three bet, I think this is strictly a call. Two things. It's uh, it's not a suited hand. It's it's kind of a vulnerable hand. It's kind of in that middle section. It's not the you know it's not the wheel draw. It's not the Broadway draw. It's kind of right there in the middle. Not suited. 
and you're the big blind, so you close in the action. So you don't have to reopen it. You can just see what progresses. Yeah, Chris, and I mean, you have something just... there? <clears throat> yeah, no, I I agree. It's it's one of these. If I I just looked it up too, it's it's uh, one of those things where it's not pure as the as the solver folks say. We do mix this a little as a raise, but it is mostly a call, and I like it as a call. We're so deep. Uh, we can get ourselves into a lot of trouble here. Um, I, I just I like to I like to take this hand and and see where we land. Yeah, and that's kind of where I ended up with it too. Just because we're so deep and we have so many chips, and it's like, why risk more if he's going to call? And you know, he, you we do. He is fairly tight. I mean, it's only nineteen hands, so it's we can't really put too much into it. So, but but one thing I do want to draw attention to is that in nineteen hands. Um, He's he's playing a VPIP of 16, but a PFR of zero. So the fact that like this is the only time they've ever opened so far in two orbits. And, you know, part of that can come down to just sample size. But I think we should give them credit for having a non-garbage hand here if they're if they're if this is the first aggressive action we've ever seen them take in, in two orbits. So it's not a big enough sample size to put a lot of into it, but that would also incline me just to close the action here and uh, see what comes next. Yeah, so that's that's what I end up doing. I just had one other thought. I just wanted to like, do you guys like a three bet if we're suited here? Like, if we if we have ace nine of spades or ace nine of clubs, do we like a three bet then, or are we still just calling? I'll just jump in because I see no one else is unmuted. The th- it's it kind of cuts both ways because it's suited. It's a stronger hand, so you can kind of make a value raise in a way. But because it's suited, it's very flop dependent, and so that also in a way makes it a good candidate to just check uh, to just call behind and and see a flop as well. So um, my typical answer is it depends. Okay. <laughs> no, I think I think it's a call either way, and as, actually, it's uh, to, in my mind. I would rather three bet with ace nine, knowing that I could easily fold that to a four bet. Mm. Whereas ace nine suited, I'd like to see a flop with that because there's so much, you can gain so much equity with, you know, if you happen to flop your suit. So I don't want to three bet that and get blown off of that hand. I'd rather just see a flop with it. So, yeah, I kind of say that in here because I say, I think a suited hand makes a much better call considering that we're going to have to play out a position post flop and the suitedness is going to make it a little easier to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. This deep, I think I like when we think about like the kinds of hands that we want to do a three bet here when we're this deep, I think the aces drop down because they have so much sort of in value just to see a flop. And I, I, this is the kind of hand where I'm, my three bet bluffs are going to come from suited hands like Jack 10, 10, nine, some of those kinds of suited hands. I think I'd make really more attractive uh, three bet bluffs uh, to me than some of the suited aces do. You maybe you mix a few of those in there, but if I'm going to three bet my suited aces, they're going to be strong ones. Like they're going to be the ace, queen, ace, king. Uh, for shallower, that changes, but uh, it's a different story for me. But when we're this deep, um, I want to let those hands see a flop. And and also the last thing that occurs to me in this spot is when you think of all the ace x hands that we could have, ace nine is not good enough to be three betting for value, but it's also not bad enough that you're going to be folding out a lot of better hands. So like, I'd rather be three betting 
with like ace four or ace five, even ace six, where maybe they'll fold ace seven, they'll fold ace eight, they'll fold ace nine. If we three bet with ace nine, they're not folding ace jack, they're not folding ace queen. You know, it's a disaster if they fold ace six or ace seven. Um, so I think this just feels better just play in the middle of our range, that condensed portion of our range. And then the downside is we have to make some difficult poker decisions now, post-flop, out of position with a hand that's likely going to end up making one pair. And that's just a tough spot to be in, but there's enough value to the hand here that folding it would be uh, too nitty, I think. Yeah, perfect. That's pretty much how I made my my decision. So that, that all sounds dandy. Um, <laughs> so the flop is the uh, ten of diamonds, the ace of clubs, and the king of spades. And there's five point seven big blinds in the pot, and we have about eighty six bigs for the effective stack. So we check and villain bets fifteen uh, k, which is three point seven bigs, and uh, we call. So what do you guys think? Should uh, I say about the check raise in here? I'm not really sure. If we're supposed to be, ch- I like a check call. I don't know what you guys what you guys think, but yeah, I like I like a check call here, kind of for the same reason why we call it pre flop. Like this flop doesn't really change the distribution of hand strength between us and our opponent that much. If they had a better race, they're still ahead. If they had a, a you know a low suited connector or something, we're still ahead. Um, they're going to be c betting at a pretty high frequency on boards like this. And if we check raise here, we're really just allowing them to fold the worst hands and continue with the better hands. I'd rather be check raising with um, a worse hand or a stronger hand. So I think, again, for the same reason, I'm probably just check calling here. Yeah. I, I don't th- forget this hand. I don't think we can check raise much at mm. all on mm. this board. Um, you know, it, I mean, do we do we feel do we feel good with ace ten offsuit check raising here? Maybe, maybe, but that's still kind of like I mean this is this is an ugly board for us uh, as the big blind caller. Um, I just don't think I mean we can't. I don't think we can ever have ace king. We can't have aces. We can't have kings. I don't think we can ever have ace king. Um, so I think our best hand is maybe ace ten. Maybe we can have pocket tens. Maybe. Maybe, but I not 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 in full. So I mm. I just I just don't think we can represent enough value. Queen Jack is probably the the best hand. I mean, obviously the straight right, the nut straight. Um, we can have that, but I don't think that's enough for us to just be check raising much. In fact, if I had Queen Jack, probably here I'd be calling. I think. Mm-hmm. I think one other candidate we could check raise with here might be King Ten where we're unblocking the top pair hands that we want them to have in this spot, but we are blocking their two pair hands that we don't want them to have. And uh, we're also just doing really well against their one pair hands. And even against their draws, they're in here with ace, jack, ace, queen or something. We're, we're in pretty good shape against them as well. So uh, that would be a check raise candidate. But I think you're right. Other than that, and I guess pocket tens. Yeah, I can see pocket tens being one that we might have here yeah. in check raising, but it's a pretty narrow Still, range. Yeah, yeah. Pocket tens is probably a three bet pre. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. So the hands that you're going to wind up here with, you just don't have enough hands to check raise to offset the hands that you can't check raise. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? You have to have a bucket of hands that you're willing to check raise with. Mm-hmm. We've come up with two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty empty. It's, yeah, the book is pretty pretty empty. So if, if he's pretty much going to know exactly what you have, yeah, and he's going to be able to play perfectly against that range. So by calling, you leave everything in your range that was there to begin with. Awesome, cool. Yeah, so that's that's exactly what I did. I just call here. Um. So the turn gets interesting. We turn the ace of hearts. So the board now is 10 of diamonds, ace of clubs, king of spades, ace of hearts. So I think that's full rainbow. Yep. And there's uh, 52, 50, almost 53K in the pot. So 13 bigs. And again, we're still the effective stack. We have 82 left behind. Super after calling them. Uh, yeah, yep. after calling the flop. Um, so I say before we kind of talk about it, um, so we make trips. Um, do we ever find do we ever find a lead here? That's kind of what I was wondering. Do we ever lead out? Um, we're so deep, we faced a lot of aggression so far in the hand. Um, he could still have us crushed, but we like our hand. So I'll just leave it at that and then kind of go from there. I like a lead. I like a really, really small lead here. Mm. Um um ace ace king 10 rainbow there's no flush draws um if we think about this from villain's perspective right uh when we lead small here what are they going to do with what are they going to do with i don't know uh queen nine what are they going to do with um even uh jack 10 what are they going to do with uh king king jack um they're probably calling but how much of villain's range can actually raise us so we're going to fold out a bunch of stuff that we probably would like to get rid of i think like queen nine probably has to fold uh some of these hands that have a little you know some some equity against us have to fold but they they you almost have to have a full house maybe a straight could, could you are aces gonna i mean is ace jack gonna raise us I, I don't know if they are maybe they are but i i don't know if i would so i, I think we're, I, the danger of us getting raised is pretty small and i really like a small bet to clean up some equity so and we set the price to yeah basically you're not going to be able to fold out anything that beats you right now Mm-mm. Um, but what hands are going to call you? So you're, I mean, what, what value, where are you getting value from the bet other than, uh, denying him equity with some of those hands you mentioned, like queen nine and uh, King Jack. Well, he's also forced to call with like all the, I mean, our nine still plays, right? Ace. Yeah, uh, our nine still so, play. Yeah. If he has if he has ace three suited, our nine yeah, still plays. Aces. Yeah. So mm. if he's so and all those suited aces, I think are here, right? They probably open down to ace deuce suited, probably, and they probably see bet with that, and now they're here. So we're capturing value from that. We're folding out 
stuff that we don't want to draw to equity and we are really putting them in jail because I think they can only raise us with a full house or better. Maybe Queen Jack, maybe Queen Jack can raise us, but that's still a scary mm-hmm. raise for Queen Jack. One thing that's interesting to me is uh, when you think about the hands that would check back if we check, but now are forced to call the King X hands, the 10 X hands, the pocket Queens. Um, they're probably not continuing. Uh, well, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but I think they're more likely to call a small bed here. And a lot of those hands are going to check back. So we get to extract value from those hands um, in a way that we wouldn't by checking. And when we check and they bet, I think we're now facing a polarized range that's actually harder for us to play yeah. on the river. When, when they call this bet, if they call, like, if let's say we put in three, two, two and a half, three big blinds here, and they call it, if this uh, river card isn't a Broadway card, they are so capped at that point um, that I love our hand. But if we check here and they bet, we have no idea where we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes the river harder to play because I think we can confidently value bet if we get called. Um, whereas if we check call, we kind of have to check a lot and then just guess. <laughs> yeah, pray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what I realized after I wrote it out. And I've said this before on the forums podcast where I write these hands out and then I'm writing it out and I'm like, that would have been a perfect time just to lead. Why didn't I just put in like mm. a quarter or third pot bet and just like, then we have control of the pot. And then if he raises us, then we can make decisions then. Right. So yeah, I'll, I'll just jump yeah. in to, to, to reinforce that point. Cause we talk about it here from time to time, but you know, your brain, you use your brain differently when you're describing a hand, when you're putting things in your own words, when you're going through the action yourself as an observer, you, you have to think about it differently. You have to put it into your own words. Your brain has to think about it differently. And often people tell me this all the time. By the time they get to the end of writing their forum post, they've already answered all their own questions just because they've taken a more thoughtful approach to the, to the, to the hand. So there's just so much benefit from, from posting hands like this, not only from the insights you'll get from other people, but from what your own brain can tell you if you just recontextualize it in this, in this context. And then the streaming adds an extra aspect because then I can go and look at my reaction right in the moment. I can see myself on camera like, okay, this is what I was thinking in the moment. And I can hear myself talk through that and stuff like that. So then I get two different perspectives. I get mm. in the moment, I can rewatch what I was thinking. And then I can go back and I can re- I can write out the hand itself and do a forms post. And then I get double the information, basically. So I think it's been helping my game a fair amount. Um, but yeah, so I check and he bets. How much does he bet here? Sorry, guys. No, that's good. This is the turn. Yeah, this is the turn. So he bets 34 basically 35k which is 8.7 bigs so i say here yeah two thirds pot or so two thirds yeah it's it's a chunky bet and uh, i say here now should we check raise and again this is where we were in jail now like (laughs) like chris said like what do we do now it's like okay now do we check raise like anyways uh and then yeah that's basically i'm curious to see what you guys think about that i mean yeah, the pot's getting big. <laughs> what do you think, Chris? I think we just have to call this. I, I can't see. I think raising puts us in that sort of 
as the poker guys say that game theory disaster land like yeah. we're 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 just letting our opponent play perfectly and so i i like a call rob i don't think i don't think we can check raise i mean <clears throat> there's very few hands at this point that he's going to fold um so and we're not, we're really um check raising to what to get him to fold something what are we getting trying to get him to fold and i can't think of a hand right now that plays this way you know small bet on the flop and then a two-thirds bet on the turn uh on this kind of board especially it turns another ace right so yeah i just don't see any hands that we're going to get to fold to that check raise and then so then we're trying to get value, trying to get him to call a check raise with a hand that we beat. Uh, and he's not doing that either. So, yeah, I don't think there's any reason to check raise this. Yeah, and I think that was in game. That was pretty much what it came down to, too. And we're still covered like we can still be beat here. And we're still, you know, I just wish I would have led turn. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but, just but let's just <laughs> but just to, to, for the purposes of, of uh, illustration. So think about this. We've got trips on this board and we still don't feel comfortable about our hand. And this is this is why playing these hands out of, out of the blinds in particular is so hard. I think when we go back a few years ago, I think one of the first rec poker themes of the month was playing ace X out of the blinds. Because it's a situation where you're like, well, I've got too much equity to fold. I'm not going to be one of those nits that folds ace-x out of the blinds. But there are no good flops for you other than like flopping top two pair. E e there are no good flops um, for a one pair hand. And so when you call with a, with a hand like this from the blinds, you're basically saying, I hope I make a strong pair and that my opponent slows down so that I can get to showdown because those are really the only times you're going to win uh, these hands. And so if you're listening at home, don't be afraid. You can just fold. You can just fold some of these ace off hands uh, from the big blind. And, and, you know, they're, they're, they're hands where you you're liable to, to lose a big pot or win a small pot. And those kind of reverse implied odds hands aren't great to be um, choosing as an investment opportunity, but um, you don't, you know, playing in a tournament like this, you don't get to just sit around and wait for premiums to come around. You do need to kind of rest the value out of it. But I think this just goes to show is look, show me a better flop, show me a better turn than having trips um, in a spot like this. And you still don't know, you're still not confidently value betting or even confidently bluff catching. It just goes to show how, how hard these hands are to play at position. Yeah, so that's pretty much what I do. I just check call here. I talk myself out of the check raise. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the river is the jack of spades. So Oof. now this board is really dicey. We got the ten of diamonds, ace of clubs, king of spades, ace of hearts, jack of spades on the river, and we have ace nine off. And there's 30 bigs in the pot now. Um, 122k, almost a starting stack. Actually, I didn't realize that. But um, and then hmm. uh, the hero stack, we have uh, 73 bigs, and the villain has 97. So he's, we're still effective here. So, and so we check the river, 
and they go all in. Does anyone <laughs> does anyone like like a leading here? Like just like a blocker bet essentially, because we know that they're never raising us as a bluff. Like I sometimes I feel like in spots like this we can make a we can make a lead mostly because then we get to fold with confidence if they if they proceed. Like when we check here, it makes it easier for them to put us on a on a weaker hand and 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 bluff us. I don't know. I guess that's very villain dependent. You'd have to give them a lot of credit to think that that was worth it because it's hard yeah, to get I think called a, a, by worse, right? Yeah, right. I think a lead on the turn or the river is is totally fine. A small mm-hmm. lead, kind of like a blocking bet. Uh, you're going to find out. Real, I mean, it's a way of getting to showdown mm-hmm. without exposing your entire stack. Um, and I, like you say, he's not going to check raise, or he's not going to raise you with anything that that uh, you beat. So it'd be very easy to fold on the turn or the river if you lead out and get raised. And we gave him the opportunity to take that A6 offsuit and jam it into our face on the river. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that even if we have a queen, we right. can't hardly call that because because mm. the queen is just nothing but a straight at this point in time, right? Mm. Yeah, that paired board's got to be scary um, when you think about you know they've got ace ten, they've got ace jack, they've got ace king, um, yeah. they've got pocket jacks probably plays this way. Um, they got ace queen see, that plays this way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just had a hard so time. I was having a hard time. Yeah, I was just having a hard time. Like when I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, "What do I beat here?" Like I don't like. Nothing. I feel like I don't beat anything. Like do you don't? That's why. I, well, the only thing, yeah, the only I mean, thing you might beat is a smaller ace, which you know you're giving him the opportunity right. to do this. But chances but, are, and because he has you covered, he's going after your bounty, uh, hoping you have a hand like. Uh, pocket nines or something i don't hmm. know but even it would a smaller ace still be worried about being beat here in this spot though with this yeah, kind of run out that's the problem i think a smaller ace so i if this player is capable of having bluffs they're probably even worse than an ace right it's a hand mm-hmm. like um maybe jack 10 somehow finds this and turns itself into a bluff um jack nine even yeah jack nine is a really interesting hand to maybe turn into a bluff Um, jack yeah i i like i like the hands that have um a jack or a 10 in them if i'm trying to turn this into a bluff because i want to represent the full house of jacks or tens um so i think those are the bluffs we see i don't think many players are capable of doing that honestly i think this is so purely a value shove that uh we should feel very comfortable folding but i do like for the same reason i like jim's or the the lead that i mentioned on the turn uh if we didn't do it on the turn i don't mind a block bet here uh just so that we can just just feel even more confident that there's no nothing like jack 10 in here um but i don't know i i, I would fold this 
I would fold it too. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I did. No choice. No choice. If the jack was a deuce, that yeah. I'd yeah. love to talk about what people would do if the jack <laughs> was a deuce. Do we just call it off? I mean, it's at least it's a different conversation because it's still the, scary. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's definitely still scary. But oh yeah, they, yeah. they have a smaller set of hands that improve to like the super coconuts here in that kind of a spot. Um, mm. Having the four, having the four straight out there, plus those Broadway Ace X hands that they're going to be taking this line with. Um, it's true that they'd have Ace Two sometimes, but yeah. I just think this is a this just. Is is a worse card objectively than than that? There's, a, I mean, yeah. I'm probably still folding. I don't probably. Mind, you know, I think I am too. Yeah, especially it's with such a big overbet. This is huge. This is yeah. like over two x pot. Yeah. But then again, so like, how did we get ourselves in this position where we're folding? almost all of our range now right like so what are the hands that we are continuing with there we're basically saying it's full houses um and if we don't have jack ace 10 yeah so because ace king we've three bet pre right right so this is a real another like so then some thoughtful opponents really should be betting here a lot like they should be bluffing here a lot because we're we're saying our reasoned analysis tells us that we're laying down trips. Um, that's pretty high in our distribution of of the hands that we could have here. So, um, is this a spot? Like, I, I struggle with this from from time to time, gang. Maybe you can help me out with this. Like, how much responsibility should we feel to like maintaining a minimum defense frequency in a spot like this, or like to letting distribution? choose which hands we we fold and which hands we call with because i just feel like we're 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 behind here so 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 often but we're still pretty high in our range how do we decide what to do with that like what would we do with ace queen right like let's say we make the straight here we're still losing to a lot of the range ace queen i'm i'm calling yeah i have to call the block the blocker because i block the i block it and i have the straight now yep is that is that the worst hand i think so wow okay so so ace nine (laughs) isn't that isn't that much worse right like we are actually if you think about it like that ace nine is uh i guess it's behind queen the queen x hands but we're not blocking the full houses with the queen X hands. So it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a really interesting spot. Hmm. Yeah. I'd rather, I guess, let's see. Yeah. I, that's a really interesting question is uh, just in terms of like, forget absolute value, but talking about blocker value and like what it means to us against our opponent does is ACE not having the ACE more valuable than, than having the queen. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This is something that the the poker the two poker guys would get right to the bottom of. This is a, yeah. this is their kind of question, isn't it? Because uh, we we talked about leading the turn and leading the river. Um, we have Ace Nine. What other hands do we lead the turn or lead the river with? 
besides ace nine? Is it like ace eight, ace seven, any ace with a less than a 10? Yeah, maybe. Is that is that basically the range of hands we're talking That's about? That's what I would I, mean, I would lead the turn with those. I don't know about the river, but with the turn, I really like that. Um, yeah. Once this jack comes, it's... Ugh, ugh, ugh. Yeah, so that's why I left the lead out on my river discussion. I didn't even really put in a lead on the river there just because of the actual card itself. Just, I don't know if it, I don't know. It seems. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, the, the only other thing, I mean, Jim, you were asking about what I would do in terms of how, how I let distribution. It, part of that has to do with like, how, how good do I think my opponent is? Yeah. Like, mm are they capable of taking a hand like jack nine and doing this with it? Like a lot of the player pool just isn't right. Mm -hmm. So I, if they are, then I think I have to like, then move down into my distribution and like, okay, I'm up against one of the top players on, uh, on the player pool on ACR or whatever. And I know that I shark scope them or I've played with them a bunch and I just know that they're good and they're capable now I've got to like I've got to dip down a little lower mm. um, because I've got to I can't just be exploited like that. But for most players, I think we can comfortably fold this just so much of the time. Yeah, distribution doesn't matter when they always have it. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> distribution is something that you need to revert to as like a tiebreaker when you're faced with a tough decision. Um, I think when we look at the range that they're playing here their bluffs when they exist are such a small portion of their range here that uh, uh i think that's a good way of putting it chris yeah i think that's true so did we uh did did they show by any chance or no did i didn't we... get any information i didn't get any extra information out of it i i did make the fold on the river and yeah uh, I don't think we did particularly well in this tournament. I think it was pretty much downward trajectory after after this. One, but, uh, <laughs> but um, it's a tough spot. I mean, it, yeah, it, that was it was a big, big shove on the river. And I'll post the video in the forums too. Once I get a little bit of feedback, I'll wait till see if some people post in it. But I've got yeah. I've got the clip of the actual video that I'll that I'll post in there too. Cool, so. cool. Yeah, nice. I just um, think that this is a um, a classic hand to evaluate in position versus out of position. I think mm. this would be a completely different hand mm. in position. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's true. You know, that in yeah, position it's... player could have ace nine right now. I, it's just what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. And, true. and play it the same way. And, and we'd still have to fold our ace niners and there's still a way we can do it out, yeah. in, out of position. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a thing. Position's real. It matters. Yeah, I was reminded of an old John Juwanda hand that he played against Tony G. It was a multi-white pot, and Tony G makes a royal, and uh, John Juwanda throws away trips, and on the river, he kind of looks at like as Tony shows the royal, and he's, I folded trips. <laughs> I had trips, <laughs> and that's just what it reminded me of in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just goes to show, you know, the absolute strength of your hand is only so important. Like really the relative strength of your hand is so much more important than the absolute strength of your hand. And then once you start um, ranging opponents and realizing just how few bluffs they really have here. Um, okay. Last question, gang. 
the the big overbet here. That's obviously polarizing. Like I I, I think we don't feel that they're going to do that with like uh, King Jack, for instance. That feels like that would be a good um, play here necessarily. But what do you do? You guys do you guys feel like when you see these massive overbets, do you kind of give the player credit for doing that in a balanced fashion, or do you feel that it skews towards value, or do you feel it skews towards bluffs? In a vacuum. Yeah, Chris, you were nodding there. Why don't you jump in? In a vacuum, it skews towards value. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think the bigger bigger the overbet, overbet gets, the harder it is to find bluffs. Like, I think if it's like a I'll... small overbet, then okay, then you can kind of think, okay, well, maybe, you know, they're doing something funny. Um, but when it's this big and it's this many chips, it seems like how are they balancing it? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. with bluffs, because it seems hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those those are, are they, really my thoughts on yeah. it. You know, we look at something like a twice pot bet. You should have 33% value, 63% bluffs in a twice bet or a twice pot bet. But how are you going to find 66% of the bluffs in this scenario? So right. even if it was only twice the pot, you still want to have about 66% bluffs in that situation, and you just can't find that many. Yeah. Yeah, because I was and trying to range them in the moment, and every hand I could think of was just like, nope, I lose to that, I lose to that, <laughs> I lose to that. <laughs> yeah, I might beat that. <laughs> and then it's just, I have to fold. <laughs> and you said that you only had um, two orbits with this player, so they didn't have yeah. a lot of reads on you either. And if they're playing a lot of bounty tournaments, then you're going to they're going to be in spots like this where when they do have a very strong hand, it really does favor the huge overbet because like I said, at the top of the show, you want to make sure to collect that bounty and the kind of hands that you're going to call a three quarter pot or a pot size bet here. They're also like, they're, they're strong. If they're strong enough to call three quarters pot or pot on this run out, then most of them are going to call the overbet as well. And so I think they just they benefit in the long run from taking that bigger sizing with the with the hands that you're going to you're going to be behind anyway. So I think that is probably even more of an argument for for folding here. I was just well, that's a very re- interesting spot. Yeah. Sorry, Ben. Wrap yeah, up. I was just looking at results wise just for those who are curious. I did end up busting before the money. I think it made a fairly deep run, but it was I was close to the money and I got 375 back for for Banny. So oh, oh there you go. That's why I like the bounties because then you get a little bit of equity, yeah, or whatever, right? You get a little something that's like okay, especially for a recreational player, you know, just playing on the weekends and stuff. It just gives you that little okay, I got a little something. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it also it also takes the pressure off min cashing, right? Like you can kind of play for the win more because if you scoop up a couple bounties, you know, you've already, like you say, you've already put something in your pocket, and uh, I think that does kind of incentivize people to play for the win. Uh, which is great. That's how we should be playing poker. Well, you mentioned uh, um, uh, Clayton Fletcher, yeah. right? One you of know, my favorites. He, yeah, he's he's got a great competitive mind. He like us, Ben. He also likes these uh, knockout formats, and he also feels like first place should get all the money. 
So go go play for the win. Um, and I think there's no no surprise that uh, this is the kind of format that that um, incentivizes that. Well, any any other thoughts on this hand or on this spot, uh, gentlemen? It's a it's a tricky tricky spot to be in. You know, over bets out of position, ace off, big blind defense. We had a lot of interesting things to talk about here. Um, well, I would just say then thanks, Ben, for bringing this hand to the to the forums or for coming on the show like always. And um, I'll thank Chris and Rob and John as well for being here. Uh, I want to thank the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino, and mostly you, the listeners. Happy New Year, and we'll be here again next week. See you then.